Mark chapter 11, and I'm going to read verse 13 through verse 20. The gospel according to Mark chapter 11, verse 13 through verse 20. You don't have to stand, but I am going to ask you to reverence God's word in your hearing and in your reading. When you have it, whether it's on your phone or your smart device or the screen, I want you to say, I have the bread. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto him, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. And they come to Jerusalem and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he talked saying unto them, is it not read my house should be called of all nations the house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people was astonished at his teaching or doctrine. Verse 19. And when evening was come, he was he went out of the city, and in the morning as they passed by, they saw that same fig tree dried up from the roots. Back to verse 15. And they come to Jerusalem and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables. And all of God's people said, Amen. You that are standing may be seated. I want to speak to you today uh, just for a few moments uh, from the subject, flying tables. Flying tables. I will not exhaust you with a long introduction today as I usually would. I want to go straight to the text. The temple for the Jewish people was a place of worship. It was a place of sacrifice. A place of splendid awe because it was a place where God dwelled. It was high up on what now is known as the Temple Mount. Pilgrims of the faith would make their way Mostly three times a year for the holy festivals, one time in the fall and twice in the spring. You could see this spectacular temple from miles away, flickering in gold with the reflection of the sun. People are praying as they are approaching this holy site. There are sounds of animals for the sacrifice. There are sounds of singing, of ascension as devout followers are singing these psalms as they approach this holy temple now could you imagine approaching this holy compound and entering into the courtyard and in the midst of the sounds and colors and fragrances all of a sudden you see flying tables I mean at first glance it's got to be a brawl right I mean we are approaching the season of Passover and someone is throwing tables what drunk, crazy man is throwing tables? Who would desecrate this holy place by throwing tables? Who is causing this scene? And you would be shocked to find out 
That is Jesus. <laughs> Who is this Jesus? Oh, a rabbi from the country. Old country preacher from the side of the Galilee. You know the one to be feeding people, performing miracles, telling nice parables and teaching people to love one another. And now he's in Jerusalem and at the temple flipping tables. Now, if you followed his ministry, this doesn't go with his usual public persona. Although Jesus was a miracle worker, he was seen instructing people not to tell who he was. He's the Jesus that was uh, making himself of no reputation to the point that even when he was betrayed, they needed a kiss to identify him. Oh, I'm almost finished now. But now he's making a scene on the temple mount. That's not much of incognito. Making a scene during a holy festival in front of crowds of people. I do want to lift to you today just in case you didn't know. The God we serve is emotional. So when we come into services like this, sometimes people's antagonistic view toward expressive worship is that it's just a whole bunch of emotions. You all are just so emotional. Well, the God we serve is emotional. This means he has emotions. He laughs. He rejoices. He cries. He's jealous. And he even gets angry. Many things concerning Jehovah was shrouded in great mystery and so much still is. But we have experienced the fullness of his expression through the son. What are you saying? Jesus is the express revelation of God. Anthropomorphism is characterized by our literary ability to ascribe human characteristics to God. But in all fairness, I believe because we are made in this image and likeness that our expressions in its most pure form is actually a reflection of our creator. I need you to look at somebody if they're saved, tell them you act like God. To the point when Peter tried to deny him, they said, no, you one of them because you talk like them. Mm. So then my question is, why did Jesus get angry on this particular day? It's a festive time. Are you okay? Are you good? What made him flick off? I'm glad I spelled it right in my way. What is the thing that makes God angry? Because we all got that thing that gets under our skin, right? You know, like somebody drinking orange juice and pouring it all the way out to just a little bit and then putting it back in the refrigerator. We all got that thing that gets under our skin. But what makes God, what, what pushes God to get angry? Well, I'm going to give you the answer very quickly. What makes God angry? When we change the usage of something away from his original intent. When God makes something or someone for something particular and then they think they're smarter than he is and they decide to change its usage. 
I'm glad we already danced because now we see flying tables. The temple was a place of worship, a place of sacrifice, but they had made it a den of thieves. What are you saying? They took advantage of people's needs. They took advantage of people's vulnerability. The problem was not them making a service available. Because what were they doing, Daniel? People were making their way all the way to Jerusalem and they needed sacrifices. So what did the people do? The, the, the people prepared sacrifices for sale. I mean, because I had to buy it, so I'm going to sell it to you. And if I got to sell it to you, at least I should make a little money off it. Nothing was wrong with them making a service available. But the sin was the distortion that was connected to it. I know you got to make a little profit. But it's the difference in buying a soda at the gas station and then crossing the street to go into Disney World and buy that same soda. Mm. They were turning ministry into a money scheme. When you're helping people, when you're doing ministry, whether in church or even at your job, because all of it is ministry. When you're helping people, when you're doing ministry, whether it's in church, whether it's at your job, whether it's on the phone with somebody. I'm not saying you shouldn't get paid from it, but what I'm saying is that you shouldn't be doing it solely for the pay. Money shouldn't be your motivation. Because when money becomes your purpose, money will eventually become your God. Mm. So when we change things from God's original intent, it makes God angry. When people are being taken advantage of, I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, be very careful how you handle me. No, be very careful how you handle me. I may not seem much to you. I may not seem important to you, but be very careful how you handle me. Somebody says, is that a threat? No, that's not a threat. I won't put my hands on you. I won't do nothing to you. But one thing about it, I am convinced that I'm God's property and God loves me. You better be careful how you handle people who you think don't matter and people who you think don't count. The Bible says, if you go as far as to offend one of my little ones, it will be as good as you may as well take a millstone and wrapped it around your neck and be cast into the sea. Be careful how you handle somebody's child. Be careful. Y'all not talking to me in there. Be careful how you handle. Come on teachers. Be careful how you handle other people's children. Come on daycare workers. Be careful how you handle other people's children. Be careful how. I know. I know some of you work in social services and somebody may be poor. They may not have a whole lot but be careful how you handle them when they come in in that time of need. You don't have to help people and tell everybody about how you help them. Stop using people as your platform for your affirmation. Stop using people in their vulnerability and taking advantage of them. We got churches now that have prophecy by pay. I would trust anybody to give me a word from the Lord that I got to pay for. Because instead of having a prophet, you'll have a soothsayer. 
I am, I, I am not a machine where you can put a quarter in me and make me say what you wanted me to say. I know Founders Day is coming up next week, but if you think your gift going to change my message, you might as well take it back. I hope you kept the receipt because at the end of the day, I got a charge to keep and I got a God to glorify. I need you to scream, say somebody, tell them, tell me the truth. Even if I don't like it, tell me the truth. Even if your knees got to shake when you tell it, tell the truth. Even if the truth is against you, tell the truth. Because God gave you a gift, but you better be careful how you handle that gift. Many of you, you have a gift and people are attracted to your gift. And sometimes they will get it confused. They will get you and the gift mixed up. They'll be attracted to what you carry. And so they will, they will get close to you. And that's why it's important that you heal as you draw. Because if you don't heal when you're drawing, and then you'll take people into your bosom that actually came for what you said and not you as a person. Glory be to God. I'm talking to every preacher. I'm talking to every musician. I'm talking to every counselor. Be very careful that you don't take your gift and change the usage of it. I need you to look at somebody and tell them it's not for you, it's for God. Mm. Hallelujah. What makes God angry? Why would God get so mad and start causing tables to fly? Because the Gentiles got to come worship too. But when they worshiped, they had a space where they worshiped, it was the courtyard. But when Jesus comes to the courtyard to experience the Gentiles worshiping, he looks up and he notices they don't have space to worship because now their place to worship is a marketplace. What makes God angry is when we do things that causes others not to be able to worship. I didn't think this was going to be one of them shouting run around the church messages. I'm talking about when our movements and our choices serve as a barrier from people seeing Jesus. Pray for me, Rogers. I'm going to preach to you the best way I can. When our decisions cause an obstruction from people getting into the presence of the Lord. Many of us need to repent to God because our actions cause people at times not to see the Jesus that we serve. How we handled circumstances. How we spoke to people. I will never forget. I was going to school at Liberty. And I was uh, living in Hurt. Okay. And <laughs> Hurt, Virginia in the house. And I was going to church in Marnesville. So I want you to see this. Every day I would get up. And I would go to school in Lynchburg. Come back to her, get ready, and then on three days a week, I would have to drive to Marnesville to church. And I was using somebody else's house, and I was responsible for mowing the grass. The only issue is it's one of those seasons where every time I get ready to mow the grass, it rains. And then when it's not raining, I got to go to church. And I'm not paying rent, so I at least got to make sure the grass is mowed. Because I don't want the testimony to go out that I'm living in the house, but I'm not mowing the grass. <laughs> Whew. 
On this particular day, I had to teach Bible study. I said, I'm, you know, I'm not going to go to Marsville today. I'm going to stay and mow the grass because that's responsibility, you know. And my pastor called me. He says, I need you to teach Bible study tonight. And I got to obey my leader. So I said, yes, sir. So I got out of class. As soon as I got out of class, I ran to her. I got out the lawnmower and I realized that there was no gas in the lawnmower. So I got to go down to Riverside Minute Market <laughs> to get some gas. And I need to get gas and look like everybody was at the pump. And so and I finally got to the pump and I went to put gas in it. It says you must prepay. So I go inside to prepay. And someone is in front of me. Hey, just wait your turn. The only challenge is the person that was in front of me was having a casual conversation with the person on the other side of the counter. Be patient. It's cool. But they continue to talk as though I was invisible. Mm. And I'm sitting here like, all right now. All right. And I started going like this, like. You know, and they kept talking. <laughs> it was the summertime and it was hot. I got to mow the grass and I got to go to Bible study and they are talking. So finally I said, excuse me, ma'am, you don't see me standing right here. Take this $10 and put it on pump three. justified because I got to go to Bible study <laughs> and I filled up that that jug and put it in the tank put it in the lawnmower and I mowed that grass and the and the mowing is loud and it's so loud that it gets quiet after a while I'm focusing on how I'm going to say this and how I'm going to say that oh and when I say that this is going to be good and people are going to be like oh that's good and I get up to all the way to Marsville and I teach the Bible study and I'm teaching about being a witness and I was talking about sometime in being a witness hallelujah you have to learn how to apologize even when you feel justified And in the middle of my Bible study, the Lord spoke to me and says, go back and apologize. And I was trying to shake it off. I was like, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, 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 this is just my mind playing tricks on me. But let me tell you something. It ain't the devil talking to you because the devil will never tell you to reconcile. The devil loves division. The devil loves confusion. The devil loves it that y'all living in the same house and not speaking. The devil loves it that y'all can go to the same church and not even bump into each other because you don't like each other. Oh, the devil loves confusion. He's the author of confusion. And I made every excuse. I just said, oh no. Well, you know what? She not going to be there. I said, well, I drive by there just in case it's going to be late when I get back. The store probably be closed. I went by that store. She was standing right at the counter. Now I'm like, how do I do this? Now I want to, my offense was loud, but my apology, I wanted it to be quiet and private. All of you that got messy and made a Facebook post against somebody, when you apologize, it should be a Facebook post. 
you did it in front of people you ought to apologize in front of people I was like I'm trying to wait I'm trying to gauge the timing of this in the same way I did when I had to get on food stamps and I didn't want to use them in front of people I was like "Mm." it's look like somebody about to go to the counter am I being too transparent for y'all I said if you've never, if you've never had food stamps, just count it a blessing. It's one of, hey, and if you still on food stamps, it ain't like it used to be. They don't have the color monopoly money anymore. It's a card. It was a season. A season that I was ashamed of is now a season that I celebrate. My soul looks back and wonder how I got over. I remember I can eat where I want to eat now. I don't want to be locked into a system. How oh, it was a footstool. My God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I went into the store and she was a I said, excuse me, ma'am. She said, yeah. She was ready. Because she said, last time you ran out that store, this time, she probably didn't practice everything she going to say the next time. Y'all know how we do. We practice our rebuttal. And I should have said this, and I should have said that. And I know she didn't say that. And then I, I should have told her, did you say that? No, I didn't say it, but I didn't have a time to say it. But if they come back in. So I looked. I looked at her and I says, I want you to know uh, I apologize for how I spoke to you earlier. She said, it's fine. <laughs> okay. And I walked off. You know why? Because some of you have almost messed up your deliverance and your freedom because you're apologizing with the idea that they're going to apologize to you. <laughs> But I need you to look at somebody and tell them, my freedom is not in their hand. Oh, I felt God. I said, my freedom is not in their hand. I'm going to free myself. You can carry it if you want to. You can go to work with it every day if you want to. You can ride in the car. But I'm not going into any space and stay in bondage. I'm going to be free to maneuver like I want to maneuver. I'm going to work tomorrow. And if you don't like me and the president don't like me, hey, how you doing? I hope you have a good day. I'm not mad at anybody because I got it off of me. Scream at somebody. Tell them, get it off of you. Because as long as it's on you, it's pandering your creativity. As long as it's on you, you can't hear God clearly. As long as it's on you, it's an obstruction. Why did I need it to get it right? Because I'm supposed to be preaching Jesus. And not just with my words. And, and one of the one of the most sobering things we have to acknowledge one of the most sobering things we have to acknowledge is that many of us in this room, we've made some decisions and made some movements that has been a hindrance in some people seeing Jesus. If you're a sinner today, I want to apologize to you for any church person who was talking in such a way that made you decide you didn't want to do church. I want to apologize to anybody in here to any preacher that mishandled you or said something hurtful to you, even if it was me, that hindered you from seeing the God of love. I want to say to you today that we are all broken people that's in need of a savior. Hallelujah. 
But that should not be our excuse to keep setting up tables to our own lust and setting up tables to our own desires, setting up tables to feed our own gross underbelly, to set up tables because the Gentiles can't worship. They can't get to church because of our tables. I got, I got five minutes left and I'm going to take them. Hmm. Jesus was angry because the place where Gentiles worship was turned into a marketplace. I don't know if y'all read this, but he said, he said he was angry because the people were walking through here. <laughs> now I'm from the south and I'm, and there's certain vernacular that we have. Certain things our family say, especially in the summertime. They said, look, if you're going outside, stay outside. Anybody ever heard that? You're not going to keep coming in and out of the house. I used to wonder, well, when is a good time to come back? What Jesus was saying is that there were some people who were making the Temple Mount a shortcut. If you ever go to Jerusalem, the Temple Mount takes up some space in the midst of a congested area. And if you want to go from one place to the other side, you got a whole lot of alleys and movements to, to go through just to get to the other side of the Temple Mount. So instead of going all the way around it, just go through it. Use it for your own convenience. And that's how some people are using church. I made the saints apologize. Now I'm coming for the sinners. That's how some of us use church. We don't need church until we need church. We don't like preachers until we need a preacher. We don't have time for it until we got time for it. And we use church as a good luck charm. You know what somebody said the other day in a pastoral counseling conference? They says, you know when you need a counselor? Now. Not when you have a crisis. That thing stirred up in my spirit. When do we need Jesus? Now, I need him all the time. Jesus is not a genie in the bottle. He's just not my way out. He's also my way in. This is a covenant keeping faith. This is a covenant keeping faith. When are you going to make it a priority and not a shortcut? When you start getting in these uh, uh, businesses where you need people to sign up under you, then all of a sudden you want to be a part of church with your Ponzi schemes. You got a first cousin that died in the street. Now you need a preacher, you need a church building, you want the choir members to get off of their job, you want the church to feed them with chicken and turkey and ham, and guess what, and many times we'll still do it, but at some point you got to consider your movements, you got to consider that this is not something you just pass through, this is not a place where you make a withdrawal where you never make a deposit. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor this is not a shortcut. This is not a shortcut of your this is not a shortcut of your convenience. Be careful how you handle the temple. Because I believe this is the hour where tables are flying. 
What are you saying, Bishop? That temple in Jerusalem is no longer there. Cornelius is not there anymore. Go back there. As a matter of fact, if you go and you see the temple mount, you know what's there now? A mosque. There's no longer a temple. So the issue is, where's the temple? <laughs> where's it at? So you're telling me to be careful how I handle the temple. Where's the temple? Oh, that's right. 701 Thomas Road. Nope. This church is not the temple. This, is, this church is where temples meet. Paul says, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I want you to touch three people tell them, and he's flipping tables over in me. He's flipping tables over in me. What are you saying? Some of us have tables set up to idolatry. But he's coming for the things that we're leaning on. He's coming for the infrastructure that's propping up our idols. He's flipping over the support system which serves as an affirming voice to our disobedience. What Jesus is saying is that when I flip tables down that means prayer goes up. Hallelujah. But when the tables are up that means prayer goes down. And my temple is supposed to be called a house of prayer. And I'm finished. Clap your hands, I'm finished. No, for real, clap your hands for the word. <laughs> Y'all in shock? I mean, <laughs> I said, clap your hands, and everybody looked at me like, huh? I know it's kind of a hard thing to clap your hands to because he's flipping tables over in me. He's flipping tables. He's flipping tables over in us. He's because your body is the temple. And what have you set up on the inside of this? Your body is the temple. What are you putting in it? I want to speak to everybody that's dealing with addictions right now. And we don't, we don't talk about it in church anymore. When I was growing up in holiness, they would challenge you to ask God to deliver you from smoking cigarettes. They said, they used to even say, if you're smoking cigarettes, come up here and put your cigarettes on the altar. And I watch people put them on the altar every week until, you know. You see Marlboros and Newports, Virginia Slims. Now it's not just Newports. Everybody don't have glaucoma. Flying tables. What are you putting in this temple? In order for something to get in the temple, it's got to come through the doorways. In here, in here, through here. What are your eyes looking at? No, really, what are your eyes gauging upon? Now you just set up an, a table that serves your pornography. Instead of being delivered and trying to get up the seed of bitterness, you got your ears to people who affirm your unforgiveness. 
And now you got a table that's serving your, your unforgiveness. And the Lord goes from where he beckons us and he warns us. <sighs> and there's a time where he says, Somebody said, well, that's kind of aggressive because that's the way God feels about it. He says, I built you for more. I built you for more. Now your temple is full of thieves. These robbing you of your joy. These robbing you of your peace. These robbing you of your future. These robbing you of your anointing. These, I know, I know you're offended by the way I'm doing it. But God says you're too important to the future. You're too important to the destiny of your family. Your marriage is in shambles. Because you got all them tables set up. But today I'm, I'm declaring to you. Some of the things you think is the devil or, and you're rebuking. You're hearing all this chaos in your life. You might be surprised the closer you get to the chaos. There's a, there's a Christ behind the chaos. That God will disrupt your comfort to make you want him again. He will disrupt your comfort that you can see him afresh. He will, because God says, I'm not sharing. The temple mount was only for the glory of Yahweh. I'm not sharing a space. Who shall I be equal to? Who shall I be, be likened to? I am God alone. I'm either Lord of all or not at all in your temple. What happens? Please, I'm sorry. Pick this up. What happens when the Philistines say, we got God. We got their Jehovah. And we're going to put him in the temple beside our God, Dagon. The next morning, when they got to the door of the temple, Dagon had to worship. And I want you to know, God is flipping over the tables to your idols. Sometimes God has to do it aggressive. Yes, with tenderness and a small, still voice, he'll draw you. But some, the Bible says, God will snatch us out of the fire. I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, your decisions are time sensitive. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Come on, tell one more person, tell them, make the right decision because your decisions are time sensitive. There's a people that's connected to your decisions. There's a generation that's connected to your decisions. There's another move of God that's connected to your decisions. And I want some people to get up on your feet and lift up your hands and shout, I want people to see Jesus in me. I want people to see Jesus. I want people to see Jesus in me. I want people to see Jesus in me. I want. I want people. So, Father, mm, can I say this one last thing? I'm going to say Y'all read the scripture. Before this happened, Jesus was already teed up. You know how I know? He walks past. 
You already with me, Marie? He walks past a fig tree. And the fig tree had leaves. And Jesus says, oh, wow, okay. Let me get the figs. And there were no figs. You have to realize, in the maturation of a fig tree, the figs come first. Then the leaves, that the leaves would protect the process of the fig's growth. In other words, the leaves have a purpose. It ain't just for you to be out here as a fancy leaf. You have a purpose to cover the fruit so the fruit don't dry up before time. But Jesus looks at a tree that has leaves but no fruit. It was changing its usage. I'm saying to y'all today I know this world is changing the languages of what a woman is and what a man is and what is I'm not here to beat up anybody and if you're sitting in this sanctuary and you made a decision to live your life as another gender I don't want you to feel uncomfortable coming to this church come here we're never going to bash you but we're going to speak to you the truth in love you don't get to choose when God has already made a decision and all of us in our lives are bringing our lives in accordance to the decision that God made out of that God made for us tell your neighbor there's some things he made the decision for me and Jesus cursed it he cursed it why because it had a presentation without a performance so by the time he get to the temple hold up this is supposed to be church and we didn't made it a gig. Do you know how many preachers? And maybe I'm not preaching this sermon for somebody. Else. Maybe somebody watching online. But do you know how many preachers come to their podium every week and they no longer believe in this? But they talk good, so it's a good job. You know how many musicians play these songs, but they don't believe in the lyrics of these songs. How many people sing this? We have people who are cultural Christians. But they have not had an encounter with the Christ. And when they left that temple, that fig tree that Jesus cursed, it was already dried up from its roots. In other words, it's not coming back up. I pray that every area in your life that's been given a false expression of security, a false expression of comfort, that you will let God curse it. Because if it ain't bearing no fruit, it's not productive for you. Oh, yes. That is one of the hardest reasons why so many of us don't experience freedom in God. Because we don't want to start from scratch. Well, Lord, just let me keep building from here. When God says, hold on, no. Actually, I'm looking at this. And we may not need to cut. This may not be something we can fix by building from here. We may need to tear it all the way down and start fresh. Because some of us have so many ideologies, idols, thought patterns that's built over time. That's what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a thought pattern that's built up over time. Have you ever looked at yourself and said, why do I keep? Well, let me just put another gift on top of it. 
Let me just serve in another capacity. You know, let me become something else. Affirm me as something else. Let me use church to make it look like I'm in a good place. Or let me just let God flip that table. Well, don't flip the table. I mean, because I can still use that and I can still. Some of us just are trying to salvage toxic relationships that God never called us to be a part of. I mean, but we can still be. No, we can't. Not in this season. And the truth is, maybe not in the next season. Because the fig tree never grew back. The Bible says man shall not live by bread alone. But every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I pray that you are blessed by the message today. And if you want to continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and even more gospel messages, I encourage you to follow our YouTube channel or subscribe to our podcast. And today we want to give you an opportunity to partner what we're doing domestically here at our local church and what we're doing all over the world. There are ways to give. And remember, when you sow, that seed may leave your hand, but it'll never leave your life. The Bible declares to us that when we sow, seeds are connected to harvest. Well, I want you to remember that I know what it feels like to cry until you have no more tears left to cry. But after you finish crying, don't stop. Get up and keep going.